Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers have pounded on the Super Bowl door the last few seasons. So, what do they have to do to knock it down? Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for what should be a fun-filled Packer podcast. Welcome, partner. Good morning, partner. How are you? Oh, doing well. Uh, late night, stayed up late, watched a ton of movies, a ton of sports, and uh, try, trying to uh, pull it all together, but I- I'm ready to roll. You're, uh, you're coping well, then, in the post-NFL days now. I, I always go into about a two-week gig here gary of, of looking for something to watch and uh one, hey one, wait one, I, I thought you were a big nba fan oh good lord <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'll, you'll, you 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 could do stand up gary you'll be playing here all week with jokes like that well yeah. well speaking of not standing up uh the dallas mavericks have decided not to uh, play the national anthem anymore so uh that that's the latest hot story coming out of the nba so. Yeah, well, karma, aren't they about eight games under 502 or something like that? So <laughs> yeah, you want exactly. to get what he deserves. Uh, yeah, no kidding. So, all right, uh, getting back on track here. Um, Rob, as you know, the Packers have advanced to the NFC Championship the last two seasons and uh, came up short in both games. And before we take a uh, deep dive into the Packers and discuss what they need to do next or do during the offseason, to uh, reach the Super Bowl next season. Let's take a few minutes and uh, get some observations from you on the Super Bowl. Anything that really stood out? Anything that uh, really made an impression on you? Yeah, there were certainly a few things, Gary. I mean, number one, we live in this offensive world now, right, in the National Football League, where where everything revolves around quarterback and high-powered offenses and and things to that effect. And one thing I think people continue to forget, and Gary, I'm guilty of it too. I I picked Kansas City on this show last week. um, Oh, I didn't catch that, Rob. Was there a uh, um, golf (laughs) pen involved? (laughs) Yeah, somebody told me we're going to Whistling Straits or something like that, I think, in June. I like the sound of that. I'm in. (laughs) I think think that's a, a, a worthy endeavor for both of us. But, you know, Gary, at the end of the day, defense still matters, right? And I think we lose sight of that through the, through the course of the season and we get fascinated with, you know, the team scoring 35 points a game and rolling up 425 yards of offense and leading the league in all these passing and rushing categories, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, Tampa's offense was, was very solid, Gary, but again, let's look at the defense once. Number six in the league in total defense, number one in the league against the run, number eight in points allowed per game, number five in takeaways, top five in sacks. Um, you know, Gary, if, if you have a high level top five offense and you can balance it with a, or I'm sorry, a, a top five level defense and you can balance it with a really good offense, it just seems that is still the path to a Super Bowl rather than the other way around where you have this elite offense and an okay to mediocre type defense. I mean, Think of Peyton Manning, Gary, and all those years on the Colts 
where that offense was in the top two, three, four year after year, but they couldn't get by Belichick's terrific defense. Think of the Packers, Gary, of the last decade that have continued to break hearts across this state, right, with a top three, a top Mm -hmm. five offense year in and year out, and the defense lets them down time and time again. Um, You know, Gary, even think of when Peyton Manning had that ridiculously good offense five, six years ago in Denver. I think he threw 50-plus touchdowns that season, and they go to the Super Bowl, and Seattle absolutely smokes them, right, with an elite-level defense. Gary, Tampa's defense is a top three to five in the league. Um, It's going to stay at that level. They're young. They're gifted. They're all coming back for the most part. They have $30 million of salary cap room. That defense isn't going away. They got $30 million of salary cap room? They have $30 million, Gary, and that's a – that's if the cap is as low as 175. They could end up with up to 40 if that cap goes up, like some are speculating. So, oh I mean, Gary, Tampa's got a long list of free agents. You know, Shaq Barrett on that defensive side. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, gotcha. No, I, I, I'm saying when we hit the new league year here in March, they are going to be 30 to $40 million under the projected cap number. Where on the flip side, Gary, the Packers are going to be probably in the range of 20 to $25 million over the cap. Huh. Green Bay is going to have to cut players, Gary, to get to the number. Tampa is going to be able to sign their own. And, and Tampa's got a lot of big time free agents, Gary, coming up. Mm-hmm. Shaq Barrett on defense, Levante David, uh, Nadamakam Sue on that side, on the defensive side of the ball, Gronk on offense with Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin's probably their most important guy on offense. But Gary, with $30 million at least in cap space, and it could be as high as 40 once the league picks a number, and, and, and they should do that pretty soon. I don't know why they continue to drag their feet on that. But Tampa's going to have plenty of money, Gary, to go out there and sign three, four of these guys. And don't forget, people want to play with Tom Brady. Gronk came out of retirement, right, to go and, and play again with his buddy. I'm guessing he would come back and play for – Certainly not the league minimum, Gary, but they can get him on a reasonably cheap one-year deal, right? Antonio Brown was playing for for basically peanuts, um, and that worked out in a big-time way for for Tampa Bay because he wanted to play with Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette could have signed with 31 other football teams after after he was given his release by by Jacksonville in September. What did he do? He wanted to play with Tom Brady. Gary, this is going to happen through the offseason. There are going to be veteran, really good football players, veterans that are out there sitting on the street in June, July, August that want a chance at a ring, and they are going to go to Tampa and play with Tom Brady. So my point with all this, uh, my Super Bowl observations, Gary, a couple things. Again, you know, defense still matters, and Tampa Bay is not going away. In fact, they could be even better. Um you know, Tom Brady, that was his 10th Super Bowl, Gary, seventh championship. Uh, amazingly, he's 34 and 11 now in the postseason. Gary, think how hard it is to win in the playoffs, right? Oh, I I know. Mean, uh, that, a lot of these guys, boggling. Yeah, I mean, a lot of you, these guys go 500 and you're patting them on the back and say yeah. they, they had a nice career in the playoffs, yeah. right? Because they were 10 and 10 or something like that. This guy's 34 and 11. That, that's 76% of the, a winning percentage. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. He's showing no signs of decline at 43. So my takeaways, Gary, were, uh, you know, Tampa's terrific. That I, Gary, I, I think they're going to be better a year from now than they are right now. I thought Mahomes was the guy who had a chance to track him down in terms of, of Super Bowl championships. But I'm starting to think now, Gary, nobody's going to track this guy down maybe ever.
Oh, I, I agree. I mean, that's he's so far ahead of the rest of the field that it's going to be, you know, almost impossible for anyone to catch him. But that, you know what? Somebody probably will at some time. We probably won't be around, but <laughs> I, I think somebody. You know, the, I, I really felt bad. I shouldn't say I felt badly for the Chiefs. I, I, I wouldn't feel badly for any NFL team. But, um, you know, going to that game, their offensive line was a train wreck and, and they had some injuries and uh, I really thought they were going to have a tough time protecting Mahomes as agile as Mahomes is uh, and as crafty as he is. I, I thought he was in trouble and, and sure enough, I, I don't know if you saw this Rob, but Jen's Jen stats had a really interesting note. I think Mahomes ran for, get this, 500 yards or nearly 500 yards before he threw the ball or was tackled on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, that poor guy was constantly on the go running for his life. And, uh, you know, when you're playing a team uh, as talented as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, that that's not a good thing. So, And Gary, uh, he did it with a turf toe that now needs surgery. Yes, exactly. And Remarkable. And, you know, you can look at other factors. Uh, Antonio Brown, you know, he didn't play against the Packers uh, in the NFC Championship game. He came back. And, I mean, how, how great is that? Your, your third threat is Antonio Brown. <laughs> you know? I mean, who's the Packers' third threat? I, you know, I mean, it's such a, such a disparity there. And then on top, uh, I, I absolutely got a chuckle out of your uh, tweet right before the game. I, I think it went, let's play the damn game. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous, the pregame hype and, and how long it took to actually get to the game. Yeah, one of my daughters asked me what time kickoff was earlier in the day, and I said, well, I think it's scheduled for 5.15 or something, which means 5.30. And at 5.40, they were still, you know, um, you know, going around and spotlighting nurses and, you know, uh, hospital workers and things like that, which obviously, God bless them, right, Gary? But um, at some point in time, kick the ball off and, and let's get to this. I mean, after their 37 straight hours, right, of pregame hype, I think we were all pretty exhausted and wanted to wanted to see that ball in the air. Gary, you brought up a great point, too, on, on the tackles. And, and, and I really underestimated that, I guess, last week. And, you know, I, I felt Kansas City would make proper adjustments in terms of blocking. And, and Mahomes just didn't have a chance. He was running for his life through that game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I thought to myself during that game, Gary, you know, Andy Reid still remains a Mike Holmgren disciple. And I still think back to that Super Bowl 32 a lot, the, the one where Green Bay should have won a second championship. And if they did, Leroy Butler's already in the Hall of Fame. We're, we're talking about that Packer team. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's probably one of the 10 greatest in, in NFL history because they would have won back-to-back championships and, and things like that. But in that loss to Denver that day, if, if you remember, Dorsey Levins averaged about five and a half yards a carry. And Mike Holmgren was so stubborn. He just, he just wanted to put the ball up in the air every single time. And that game was close throughout. I mean, Terrell mm-hmm. Davis had a monster game, but that game was a one score game most of the day. And there was a stretch in that game, Gary, where Holmgren threw the ball 24 out of 25 plays. And Is that right? He had, he had yeah, one I, mean, I remember run. the game and everything, but yeah. I, I didn't realize it yep. was that bad. It, yeah. it, 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 it was absolutely mind boggling because Levins was just carving them up on the ground. And really, if you remember the Packers at that point in time, Gary, Robert Brooks was about done. He was coming off that knee injury and, and, and he had very little left at the end of that season. Favre was pretty much playing that day with, 
with Freeman, Shamura, and his running backs. He didn't have a number two wide receiver, but but he had he had an unbelievably gifted running back that day named Dorsey Levins. I mean, one of the five or six best in football, and Holmgren just ignored him that day on the ground. And I thought the same thing that day or on Sunday, Gary, when it came to Andy Reid. Um, the, the, the way to combat that that Chiefs pass rush would have been twofold, right? Far more screens in you know in in the pass game, and then a lot more to, uh, of Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the ground. And and when they did run that little bugger, he uh, you know he, he did an awfully nice job carving him up for five, six, seven yards a pop. But Andy Reid went away from that, I thought, way too early. Even Gary at halftime when it was twenty-one to six. I mean, that's still only two scores. You're the Kansas City Chiefs, yes. right? Yeah, they've you, been there and done that. The last, yeah, you've come back these last couple of playoffs from what 24 down or whatever it was to Houston, and mm-hmm. um, you know they, they've had these two and three score deficits through the through the postseason the last couple of years that they've been able to overcome. Not as much this year, but last year, and um, it's a it's a high powered big time offense that they still had 30 minutes, Gary, where they you know. Andy Reid did not have to abandon the run game. I thought it was good. I thought that was his way to neutralize that pass rush uh, was to get his interior guys onto those, onto those big tackles and, and clear some space for Edward Solaire, who's really nifty. I mean, he's going to be a pro bowl running back at some point in, in his career. And, and I thought Andy Reid, it, it reminded me a lot of Super Bowl 32 and, and the Mike Holmgren disappointment. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I still think back to that game a lot and, and why Green Bay lost it. And 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 I circle Mike Holmgren's name first and foremost when it when it comes to that day because he was completely outcoached uh, in that Super Bowl by Mike Shanahan. And if if it wasn't for some of Holmgren's decisions that day, Gary, uh, it, again we we'd be talking about you know two Super Bowl championships for Favre, three for the Packers since since the early 90s not just two which which the fan base gets enraged about and um it it you know these these chiefs gary didn't have a chance at the end i guess like like those packers did um but there were a lot of similarities in the way the two the two men coached the game andy Reid on sunday and mike holmgren back in super bowl 32 oh absolutely hey uh one one other topic i want to touch on real briefly here uh pertaining to the super bowl was the uh, TV ratings. I, I wrote a blog that Sunday morning, and I thought the TV ratings were going to be off the charts. I, I thought it would be just a ratings bonanza for uh, CBS. And uh, as it turns out, it, it was a disappointment. It was like, I think, the lowest watched uh, Super Bowl in almost like 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. And um, any thoughts as to why that was? I mean, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, they're, they're sick of the NFL and, and uh, some of the stands that they have taken on social justice, just like the NBA. And, um, but, but I don't know. I, to me, it was just like really, really surprising. I, again, I thought it was going to be a monster uh, TV show. I, I was very surprised myself, Gary, but, but I think you hit it right there. It's the social justice issues. I certainly know a number of people who have said I'm done watching that stuff because of the stance they took on this or that. Um, I think the NBA was hit even harder, weren't they? And oh, without in, a doubt, in their postseason, weren't horrible, they down forty or fifty ratings in the finals? Yeah, right. I mean, they they they, they were forty or you know they were down forty or fifty percent, is it somewhere Correct. in there? Weren't they here? Correct. Um, you know, so so I guess the NFL. What 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 was it at the end of the day, Gary? Five, six, seven percent or something? They were down. 
Yeah, um, I can't. I can't remember. I mean, it's. I mean, it's still the NFL. It's still a Super Bowl. Yep. You know. I yep. mean, you know, we're we're just comparing the NFL to the NFL because it doesn't make sense to compare the NFL to the NBA or Major League Baseball. No, you're, there, you're there's no comparison. None. Gary, I will say this. You know, I know a few people who said this year they were done watching the Packers when when they heard that Green Bay wasn't coming out for the national anthem, and and you know the Packers stayed in their locker room this year. All 17 games, uh, 18 actually, right with the with the NFC Championship game in Tampa Bay, um, they they stayed in their locker room all, and and then they would come out once the anthem was done playing, and that's when they would take the field. I tweeted about it that day when the NFC Championship was going on. Tampa was on the field, and almost every single guy on their on their sideline was standing, and you know, hand on the heart or however they were doing it, looking at the flag, and Green Bay was in the locker room. Gary, everybody takes that differently, and, and some people hold a grudge. I mean, after Bud Selig took away the World Series in 94, um, I, I said I was done with baseball for five to ten years, and I was. I just I paid no attention to Major League Baseball. And, and, and there are some people who feel that passionately, too, about, about you know, some of these social justice issues and, and obviously the stance the teams like Green Bay have taken with the anthem and things like that. Gary, I, I, again, it's, it's not an overly high percentage, but I'm sure the, you know, I'm sure that's a huge reason. Some of the, the, for some of the numbers drop because you can't get a better matchup, right? You're talking about the goat uh, in Tom Brady against really the only guy in the league that has a chance to challenge him Mm -hmm. in the next 10 to 15 years as the goat, right. With Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it, it lined up to be an, an absolutely record setting Super Bowl. So my, my only calculation and guess, Gary, is, is that it comes down to some of these social issues and that leagues like the NBA, now the NFL, have offended people to the point where they've just they've said, nah, you know what, I'm going to watch The Office today instead, right? I'm, I'm going I'm yeah. to watch Groundhog Day again and um, what, whatever's on TNT, and, th- and they took that path. And, um, hey, that, that's their prerogative. That's their choice, right, Gary? And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see where it, we'll see where it goes from here, but I do think it's a problem. No question about it. Yeah. You know, I, I think the NFL is strong enough to withstand this. Uh, everything's eventually going to be fine. Are they going to get the ratings that they have in the past? Who, who knows, but I, I'm telling you, the NBA is teetering with disaster. Yep. Uh, the, the more I talk to people, the more they are just livid with what's going on you know, in that league. And, and like you said, every, each of us have our own, you know, uh, views and perspectives on the situation. But I, I guarantee you that people I've talked to in the last six months have been really turned off by the NBA. And uh, something's got to change if they want to get back on track. So anyways, get speaking of getting back on track, this this will be one of the uh, fun, fun aspects of this podcast. Uh, we had talked about this uh, yesterday about maybe the three things the Packers have to do to get to the Super Bowl, uh, three areas that they have to address during the offseason via free agency or the draft. And um, I'll give you my quick three here. Uh, my three are inside sure. linebacker, wide receiver, and offensive tackle. And, you know, in hindsight, maybe I might even put offensive tackle as number one. Uh, simply because it's so important with Aaron Rodgers there and, and what they're trying to do. But you would think a team that has been to the NFC Championship two straight seasons wouldn't have a lot of holes 
But this team definitely has holes, and they could have more holes depending upon what happens in free agency. So uh, I, I'm curious to see what would be your three areas of need for the Packers. So, Gary, I'm going to start by going a little vanilla on de- on defense and, and not specifying the position as much, but just saying yeah. that they, they clearly need another playmaker or two on, on that side of the football. And, and, Good point. And, and, Good and point. where – it's going to be is going to be predicated by how free agency and just how some of the decisions they make in regards to the salary cap. I look at it right now, Gary, and I say, all right, Kevin King is gone, right? He cost himself uh, more money probably than any player in the national football league. You, th- you uh, think he's gone, huh? Oh, uh, Gary, I, I think, I think the fan base would burn <laughs> that place down if they brought him I back. might be the only one in America that thinks he might <laughs> still stay. I, I don't know. Okay, so let, let's keep in mind, first and foremost, the Packers are dramatically over the salary cap, whatever number that winds up being, right? Let's, let's call it 20 to $25 million for right now as we wait to see where the league puts the tag. So not only are Green Bay's free agents going to probably walk out the door, Gary, they're going to have to cut two, three, four players on the roster to get down to the number that the NFL tells them the salary cap is at. You know, sure. So... Unfortunately for the Packers, Aaron Jones is probably gone, right? Corey Lindsley is probably gone. You know, I, I wouldn't even say unfortunately, uh, but I will say Kevin King is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think that's unfortunate for Green Bay whatsoever. And then, Gary, when I look at the rest of the defense, I mean, I, we've talked about this in the past. I think Preston Smith's going to be gone. They're, they're going to save themselves $12 million if, if they move on from him. I think there's a chance Kirksey's gone at inside linebacker and they save themselves six. I think there's a chance Dean Lowry's gone at defensive end and they save themselves five and a half. So, you know, we'll have to see where that plays out um, as they try to get down to that salary cap number of probably in the range of 180 or so, Gary. Um, when that's all said and done, I, I, I would I would guess cornerback is going to be the number one need on the, on the defensive side of the ball, and they'll probably try to address that in the draft. Um, I think they can find a decent player at 29. And, you know, maybe by the end of the year, even upgrade from where they were with Kevin King. The rest of that secondary is set. The safeties are back um, and locked in. They're going to have to get Jair Alexander done um, at some point in time. But he's obviously a blossoming star and one of the best corners in football. If they can find themselves another good corner, Gary, the secondary should be pretty strong. Like you said, inside linebacker is an enormous need, right? You, You can't go into next season, I would say again, you know, counting on Barnes and Martin, maybe Kirksey if he's back. I mean, at some point in time, I mean, I mean, Gary, year after year, they just ignore that position overall. Exactly. Um, and at some point in time, they, they've got to use a high draft pick on a difference maker at that spot on the field. I know they don't value inside linebacker the way some other teams do, but it, it's it's just become a glaring hole year after year. And and they let good players like Blake Martinez walk. They try to go stopgap with guys like Kirksey, uh, you know, Barnes, who was a undrafted free agent, finished second on the team in tackles with 80. Um, and he at best Gary is a mediocre player. Martin's a wild young player who's, who made as many mistakes as he made good football plays for him. So there's no question they need, they need some help there. And, and Gary, I think they really need a, a playmaker next to Kenny Clark up front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, yeah. when I look at those ends that they have right now, they're mediocre at best, right? Dean Lowry, three sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. Tyler Lancaster's just a guy. Again, nice, nice kid, nice, nice enough football player, but he should be about number five. 
you know, in, in, in your defensive line rotation, not two or mm-hmm. three or, you know, three or four, where, wherever he falls on a given, on a given Sunday. I, I, I think a guy like, you know, Kingsley Kiki has some upside Gary. He had four sacks and four and a half TFLs this year. Um, he's a guy who could emerge at some point in time. But again, I, I think, you know, I think their first round draft pick has to probably go to the defensive side of the football and find a And they, as they try to find another playmaker, because Preston Smith's probably going to be gone. Gary steps in as the second outside linebacker opposite of a Zadarius Smith. And, and they, they, they might need a, a third guy there, Gary, you know, inside that rotation. So however the board falls, um, they're going to have to go in some order. I would think cornerback, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, defensive end, really, really high. Mm-hmm. Um, hadn't got that defense, Gary, into the top 10. They finished 10th this year overall in total defense. And I thought the last two months of the year where they only gave up an average of 18 points a game, they were they were pretty stout on that side of the ball. Now, they had some obvious breakdowns in the Tampa Bay game, and that probably is why Petten isn't back right now. And we'll get into that in a, in a little bit, I know. But, but Gary, my – you know, we are still talking about the number one offense in football that they put out there this year, scoring offense at least. So I, they're going to have to shore up some areas on offense, but I still think, and it's amazing, Gary, we, because we say this every year and they use almost every first round draft pick possible on the defensive side of the football. But I think it's what they need to do again this year is, is go defense. And I think that's what they'll do in the draft. If, if King leaves, like, you know, you're, you're pretty confident he'll, he will be doing they got to get a corner. You you just yep. can't you can't play mediocrity on your corners. That you, you're going to pay for it at some point. And and you know what King had an abysmal NFC Championship game. But I'll, I'll tell you what, Rob. I thought during the regular season he was more than solid. I mean, you know, when you play cornerback, you're going to get beat every once in a while, and and that certainly was the case uh, in the NFC title game. But I thought, again, during the 16-game regular season, he was pretty solid. Now, that's my perspective. And if they can, they think they can get somebody in the draft who can play corner when they're picking so late in the first round, good luck. I mean, the Packers have done that uh, over the years where they drafted a DB way down, and you find out, you know, hey, <laughs> they're not ready for prime time. It's a whole new game coming from college to uh, – the NFL. And I think the Packers got to be careful about that. Now, I mean, if Kings, I'm not gonna, his agent is stupid enough to <laughs> demand, you know, a lot of money, then he's got to go. But if he wants a reasonable contract, I, again, I'm in the minority, I would say, bring him back. Gary. And we know this, it only takes one team, right? To Somebody's going to have $70 million of cap space. And, you know, I, I, the Dolphins, for example, are way under the cap or, or whatever yeah. it is. It only takes one team to call a guy like King and say, hey, we'll give you four years, 24 million or something like that. And obviously then he walks or, you know, he, he'll probably get even more than that, Gary. He, he might get 32 or something like that on a four-year deal. It, it'll, it'll clearly be too rich for Green Bay's blood. But we're also talking about a guy, Gary, who, who missed about three out of every eight football games. Yeah, uh, when, when he was in Green Bay, he could not stay on the field. You know, he missed 37, 38 uh, percent of 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 the games when 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 he was a Packer. Um, and and I just think the combination of of him kind of being a frail football player, um, not a great tackler, and that NFC Championship game, 
probably and, and then the cap issues that Green Bay has right now, Gary. If I'm Brian Gutekunst prioritizing my remaining free agents, King's not even close to the top. You know, I'm 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 debating probably back and forth between Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones, who I who I want back first and foremost. And it's probably Jones one, Lindsley two, and uh, you know, and, and and King is further down that list. Jamal sure. Williams might trump Trump King. So King, I think Gary is going to be gone. They're, they're going to need another couple playmakers on that defensive side of the ball. There, there's nice pieces right now, Gary, you know, for the new coordinator, Joe Barry on, on that side of the ball, you know, with Clark and Smith and Rashawn Gary. And, and like I mentioned, three pieces back in the secondary, Amos Savage and, and Alexander. I, I think there's some really good starting points. Yep. They just need to find a, a, a higher quality of player to put around some of those guys. And I think that defense has a chance to take another step uh, because so much of that talent is young. When we look at it, Clark is still 25, right? Savage and Gary are heading into year three. Amos is coming off the best year of his career. Alexander is heading into year four. I mean, there's, there's a lot of pieces right now on that defense, but, but there are some big time holes too, Gary, like you said, and not just at number two corner, you know, look at number three with Shandon Sullivan, who had yes. a decent year, yes. right? But but what did Tom Brady do in that NFC Championship game, the first half of that of that game? He just looked for number 39, and wherever 39 was, the ball was going, right? And that, that told you all Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, thought of Shandon Sullivan, and, and they went to work on him in a big-time manner. So the Packers might need two corners in this draft, Gary, or somewhere along the way in free agency. You wonder if Tremont Williams still has a chance to – to be no, around no 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 <laughs> I saw enough not, come on last year no yeah well <laughs> teams picked on him big time last year and, and you know and, and Gary real quick on the offensive side of the ball I I expect Jones and Williams to be gone and you know that they're going to give the ball to 28 AJ Dillon and, and they're gonna you know that they're gonna say go crazy young man and probably give him 300 carries next season I mean, go out and get A.J. Dillon now in your fantasy football leagues, guys, because <laughs> because he, he could be a 1,400-yard you know yard and 12-touchdown type of a back next season if, if free agency goes the way I anticipate it's going to go, Gary, with Jones and Williams both leaving town. But Green Bay's then got to get a number two and a number three running back along the way, Gary. Or, I mean, Dillon can't take every carry and every pop, or he's going to be dead by week yeah. 11. Yeah. And then – like you said, Gary, at some point in time, they've got to upgrade that wide receiver core. Um, you know, coming back with the same band and the same cast of characters, I, I think it's a little bit risky. Um, MVS, six touchdowns this year, Gary, but he broke their hearts as, as much as he, you know, kind of saved the day from time to time. Alan Lazard well, wasn't nearly as good this year as he was in, in 2019. Now he only played 10 games um, because of the injury. But um, but he certainly slipped a little bit. They need a quality number two, Gary. They need they need to take a wide receiver pretty high as well, and and probably second round, I would think, because that's where they've had luck with with wide receivers. And um, you know, Devonte Adams isn't a baby, isn't a young kid anymore, Gary. He's heading to year eight. So yeah. you've also yeah. got to think in the future. It, it this might be this might be a really good time to get a young wide receiver and to groom him to eventually become the number one. So. No, you're right, Gary. There, there's a ton of holes right now on this roster. And uh, circling back to uh, Preston Smith, I, I sound like Biden's uh, press secretary. She said circle back like 10 times every press conference. I'll circle back with you on that. But anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, 
Uh, yesterday, Rob, I had a chance to talk to, believe it or not, Preston Smith's agent. And uh, he doesn't uh, have the same philosophy that you and I have about doom and gloom for his client. Uh, he doesn't think the salary cap is going to be that big of an issue that they're going to work out things. And uh, that, that came as a little surprise to me. I, I thought he might be a little more realistic and say, hey, you know what, <laughs> we're, we're probably going to be moving on. But he didn't give me that impression at all. He, uh, he, he, he was pretty confident things could be worked out. So we'll see. Well, Gary, if he's back, I mean, uh, they, they will boast again, you know, a, a very formidable outside linebacking core. I mean, in, anybody in football would, would take Zadarius Preston and Rashawn Gary. You know, the, the tricky thing for Green Bay there is going to be, I think Rashawn Gary now has eclipsed Preston Smith as a football player. I mean, Rashawn Gary needs to go out next year and play 75% of the snaps. Obviously, Zadarius needs to play 75, 80% of the snaps as well. You know, and, and, and those are numbers that Preston Smith has played for the most part in his two years here. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think right now Rashawn Gary's the better football player. And, mm-hmm. and now the question becomes, can you pay Zadarius, Preston, and, you know, that, that high level of money and the first-round draft pick, uh, Rashawn Gary, who's going to need to get his deal redone in a year or two as well. And... Um, you know, not run into any kind of salary cap issues. I, I get where the agent's probably coming from. Why, why in February would you project gloom and doom, Gary? Um, and, and I'm sure they're all cautiously optimistic that the league's not going to drop the cap a dramatic amount. But, but I, think if, I think if they are realistic, you know, they, they, they have to understand the cap's going to go down and, and Green Bay's, Green Bay's going to have to make some really tough decisions. No question. And, no you know, and, and, and where that is, I guess, is going to be fascinating to, to watch unfold this offseason, right? Is, is, it, is it Kirksey? Um, you know, is, is it Dean Lowry? Is it somehow Billy Turner? I don't think it's going to be. But, you know, is, is it Preston Smith? Is, is it some of these veterans, Gary, that, you know, are making you know, top 10 money on the roster that they say, hey, we're going to just have to go with a young guy at the league minimum. Um, much like they did five, six years ago when they dumped Josh Sitton for Lane Taylor. Um, now that was more than just financials, but they, you know, they, they've had to make decisions like that in the past. And, and all of a sudden then you, you get a shocker, Gary, right? Like a Josh Sitton that was on the street in the summer of 2015. So we'll, we'll see how this winds up and, and how this goes, but, but, but I, I'm going to stand by my thought that Preston Smith is not on this roster in 2021. righty. Well, we know who's going to be part of the, uh, Linebacking overseers, and that's uh, the recent uh, hiring of Joe Barry as the defense coordinator. And uh, I think there were uh, a lot of heads being scratched with with this hire. And you know, he, he's twice been a defense coordinator: once in Detroit, once in Washington. And uh, things didn't go well in either place. And you know, I mean, if if you look at those rosters, he, he was devoid of talent on defense. So I, I'm not going to blame him for that uh and, and you look what he did last year the, their defenses uh were, were defense was was very good and then you know I, I wasn't sold on this guy until yesterday I, I talked to a friend of mine who's an NFL executive and he claims that Barry was actually a pretty hot commodity and that uh, a couple teams had him in the mix to be their defense coordinator and, and he said one team he was told uh, he finished second 
uh, in the selection process. So his reputation around the league apparently is pretty good. So your thoughts? Yeah, Gary, I'm not a big fan of retreads. And, ditto, ditto. <laughs> you know, we, we, we just, we see it way too much in, in I think professional sports. And I mean, he, I, I agree with you, you know, he, he, he was devoid of talent, certainly in Detroit, the talent was better in Washington. Uh, you know, he was Detroit's guy in 07 and 08. He was Washington's guy more recently in 15 and 16. Uh, neither one went very well. I mean, Gary, when he was in Detroit, and I'm just going to read some numbers quickly that'll probably depress Packer Nation. But you know, the the the, the there, Lions. There goes our ratings like the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, Gary, I think Packer Nation is scratching their head on this on this one too. Um, sure. You know, if when you go back to the Lions in both 07 and 08, Gary, 32nd in yards, 32nd in points. I mean that, that that's that's just horrifically, dreadfully bad. And and I know. I know that was one of those years was an 0-1-16 year, and the Lions were, again, devoid of talent in, in a lot of places. But, I mean, things could not have gone worse, you know, for, for Joe Barry than they did in Detroit. Now, in Washington, were they better? Yes, slightly. 28th in yards in 15, 28th in yards in 16. In 15, Gary, they were 17th in points. In 16, they were 19th in points. So a little bit better in that particular category. I mean, he worked with Matt LaFleur in 17 when they were both with the Rams. LaFleur wants some of that Vic Fangio system uh, in place, obviously, in Green Bay. But, again, here's a 50-year-old coach, Gary, that, that's had a couple of swings at the plate. Neither one has gone well. I, I'm a much bigger believer in taking a chance, almost like Green Bay did in hiring Matt LaFleur, right, when he was 38 or 39 years old. I, I, I like taking a chance on a, on a, on a young potential rock star to, to come in and, and, and be the next great thing at that position. I think Matt LaFleur has tur turned out to be a terrific hire and the Packers, you know, there were, there were a lot of people, Gary, we know this two years ago, scratching their head saying, who the heck is this guy? Mm -hmm. Tennessee was considering not even bringing him back as the offensive coordinator. Well, things have gone extremely well, right? For Matt LaFleur, 26 and six, couple of NFC championship games along the way. Right, Murphy, Gutekunst, Russ Ball—they took a chance on this guy, and I, I think it's paying off. Joe Barry to me just seems like um, I don't know, an, an, I don't want to say uh, a, a, a buddy a, hire, <laughs> a, a, a very underwhelming hire, right? I mean, when yeah. you move on from a guy like Mike Pettin, um, who, who I think Gary is again, very, we're going to look back, and he's going to be very underappreciated, much like Dom Capers uh, was in in his time in Green Bay. Mike Pettin's a hell of a football coach. And, and people have been yelling and screaming that the Packers haven't had a top 10 defense in forever. Well, guess what? They were top 10 defense in 2020 and the defensive coordinator is gone. And, and I, this was the biggest hire Gary of Matt LaFleur's, you know, two year tenure now in green Bay. And, and, and at least on paper, at least in theory, I don't think he upgraded Gary. Um, and, and had he been able to hit a home run with, with a Jimmy Leonard out of Madison, um, who I think is the guy he, you know, he wanted all along. And um, now, now that's the young potential rock star, right. That, that maybe shifts the playing field. And, and then you say, okay, I, I see why you moved on from Mike Patton. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a lot of people that'll tell you Joe Barry's a better football coach than Mike Patton was. This reminds me a little bit. If you remember the fourth and 26 back in 2003, 
And, after, you know, about a week later, Mike Sherman thought about it and thought about it and thought about it some more. And he moved on from Ed Donatel, who was his defensive yes. coordinator. Yes, and, he promoted from, and he promoted from within. Yep. You know, Ed Donatel wound up, wound up being his fall guy. He promoted a guy named Bob Slowick, who was the defensive backs coach at the time. Again, a very underwhelming hire. And in 04 and 05, the Packer defense went backwards, um, even to the point where in 05, Gary, they were it was a 4-12 football team. Um, I'm not predicting that, you know, that, that scenario or that level of doom and gloom for Joe Barry, but, but there are some real parallels and similarities here. It feels like that, right? Somebody had to be the fall guy for the Kevin King play before halftime. Mike Pettin already hadn't signed his contract. Um, he, he, hadn't, he hadn't done his rollover after the 2019 season. He, in essence, was a lame duck coach here in 2020. So maybe Mike Pettin didn't want to be back all that much either, Gary. And, and obviously at the end of the day, Matt LaFleur didn't, didn't want him back. And, and um, you know, so again, somebody maybe was the fall guy for the Kevin King play. Maybe it's Mike Pettin on this. I, I, I still say it's Matt LaFleur more than anybody, but um, you know, I, 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 I kind of get the sense Joe Barry could turn out to be a Bob Slowick. Um, again, I don't think Green Bay upgraded whatsoever at the defensive coordinator position. And now it's up to Joe Barry to prove people wrong. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be a story to follow. That's for sure. Um, anything else you want to say about that defensive uh, coordinator hiring? Um, you know what? Well, Gary, here's, here's what I will say. You know, Matt LaFleur has changed down two of his three coordinators this offseason, right? I mean, yeah. I think we all expected him to move on from Sean Menenga on, on special teams. I, I think the real surprise there was promoting from within. And, and, and we're talking about a special teams unit again that was bottom five in football and you promote the number two guy to take over as number one. It's, it's been a very confusing off season. I think to a lot of people, myself included Gary, in terms of these coordinator positions, a, a lot of times when you're going to move on from people, you certainly expect an upgrade. I would say right now, it would be a very hard sell to people to, to tell you that green Bay has upgraded at either one of these coordinator positions, right? Joe Barry, does not have nearly the track record that Mike Pettin had as a football coach. Um, to think he's going to come in and be an upgrade from Mike Pettin right now, I think is a stretch. Same mm -hmm. thing on special teams. Uh, yeah, Sean Menenga, it, it failed in, with, with that group of special teamers. But why promote his first lieutenant, right? Why, why promote his number one assistant? Why promote from within? Go outside the building, get some new fresh ideas, get some new thoughts, get some new blood, um, in, into that special teams room. Um, I, I'm not telling you Mo Drayton's going to fail, Gary, but, but I, I don't understand the logic of promoting from within um, when, when you've had a unit that for the last two years has been bottom five in, in the National Football League. So um, again, Gary, you know, when, when, you're, when you're trying to look for hope and reason and optimism, why Green Bay is going to take the next step and jump next year, and leap past a Tampa Bay and, and stay ahead of the 49ers and the bears, right. And the Seahawks and the Rams. It's, it's tough right now to find some reasons so far over the last two or three weeks, Gary, because I I'm not overly impressed with what, what Matt LaFleur has done with his coaching staff. Uh, you, you've gotten to know Penton uh, fairly well over the years, I would imagine. And, you know, from the outside looking in, he seems to be like a straight shooter that, you know, what you see is what you get and seems to be a, a blunt guy. You know, again, I don't know him well. I'm just, again, basing that on observations. But 
I'll be very curious to see what he has to say about this Packers situation. Uh, at some point, he, he'll talk, and uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, session. I I couldn't agree with you more on that one. When, whenever he does come and talk, and uh, now now again, he might not want to say too much and, and slit his own throat, thinking it could hurt him trying to get that next coaching job, right, or his next defensive coordinator job, and he might not want to throw anybody under the bus, but. But he had to be extremely disappointed that Matt LaFleur let him kind of float and hang in the wind for a week. I mean, Matt LaFleur threw him under the bus after the NFC Championship game, you know, saying, putting that defensive call completely on Petten right before halftime. I mean, let's remember, he was Mike McCarthy's guy, right? He was Mike McCarthy's hire after the, after the what, 17 season. So he comes back in 18, works with McCarthy, and Matt LaFleur decides to keep him. Now, after a year together, and this is what's so fascinating, Gary, because NFL coaches don't do this very often. You know, he was down to a year on his contract after the 19 season. He elected not to roll that thing over. That doesn't happen very often in the league. Coaches don't come back as lame duck coaches. So already a year ago, you know, Mike Pettin saw some things here he didn't particularly like, and he wanted to leave himself an escape door in case things didn't go great in 2020. The last... The last Packer coach, Gary, I can remember doing that was Alex Van Pelt uh, in, in, you know, around 14 or 15. He let that happen with his contract because he wanted to go out and be a coordinator somewhere. And he thought his path in Green Bay was, was blocked by guys like, you know, Joe Philbin and, and people like that. So, um, and then Van, and Van Pelt did land just fine. He got, the, he got the Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator job a year or two down the road. So Pettin. You know, there clearly, Gary, was a big issue there with, with maybe Pettin wanting to move on himself, Lafleur not being totally sold on Pettin because he was McCarthy's guy. So it, it will be fascinating, like you said, Gary, what, what Pettin has to say when, when he does eventually decide to talk. Well, one final thing on this uh, very hiring. Uh, Leonard came out, and I think it was in the uh, Wisconsin State Journal, and said that he had reached the stage of where a contract was being discussed. Um, do we know, did anybody in the Packer organization say that was the case, number one? And <laughs> when I hear statements like this, and by no means am I, I, I'm saying Leonard, you know, uh, twisted this situation, but I remember when Barry Alvarez, you probably remember this too, so that he was interviewed for the Packers head coaching job. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, I remember. And then and then Ron Wolf comes out and goes, "It never happened." <laughs> so I mean, you know, who knows what you know what how far this went with uh, Leonard possibly being the uh, Packers' new defense coordinator. I mean, if they got down to the point of the negotiated contract, and then Leonard says no, if I'm Lafleur, I'm not happy. You know, it's like, wait a second, you couldn't have, you know, made that decision before we got to this stage. Uh, I I don't know. It just didn't make a lot of sense. Gary, we all know how, you know, deadlines spur action and and you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Those, you know, last two, three, four hours. Um, First of all, kudos to Tom Oates in, in Madison at the State Journal, who, who did a really good job. I thought that uh, guy was retired. Yeah, apparently Oates, he never retires. Or um, <laughs> even in retirement, he's, he's, he's got scoops showing up in his mailbox or something like that. There you uh, go. <laughs> but, but a heck of a job for him running down Leonard and, and Leonard's agent um, last, last weekend when, when this all broke. 
you wonder behind closed doors, you know, and again, they're not going to come out right now and say it, I don't think. But if he got some kind of assurances, right, that Paul Christ is down to three, yes. four, five years, yeah. whatever is left, that, that he's coaching, waiting um, right now in Madison, which I think would be a fantastic transition for Badger football because I think Jimmy Leonard is unbelievably good at what he does. And he, he likes to recruit Gary. He, he, he's got a phenomenal uh, way with kids that he, that, you know, a lot of these guys, when they get to 35, 40, 45 years old, the, the grind of recruiting just wears them out. And, you know, dealing with 15, 16, 17 year old kids can, can, can be whatever. It's, it's just not a lot of fun. Right. Um, they've, they've kind of outgrown that phase of their lives. It doesn't seem that's the case at all with, with Jimmy Leonard. He likes that part of the job, Gary. We all know the old saying, happy wife, happy life. Uh, his wife absolutely loves Madison. They live in Cross Plains, uh, just outside the city there. She absolutely adores and loves Madison. I'm sure that was a big part of trying to get him out, was convincing her. And even, you know, even though, Gary, you're only going two hours away, you know how that goes. These sure. football coaches work 80, 90, 100 hours. They're, they don't have a lot of time then all of a sudden on a Saturday to show up back at the union and, and have a couple beers right on a Badger Saturday or something like that. If they're in Green Bay, they're in Green Bay. So um, I'm sure the family side of it was a big part of it. But I think even more on the professional side, I, I, I would have to speculate here, and it's only speculation, Gary, that there were probably some verbal discussions about the, the future of Paul Christ, how long he has yet to coach that job, and Jimmy Leonard's future in Madison potentially is taking over almost at some point being the coach in waiting like Brett Bielema was with Barry Alvarez. Yeah, you know what? Uh, the, the same thought ran through my mind that uh, maybe Barry Alvarez came back and made him an offer that he couldn't refuse and and so forth. But Paul Chris is still a relatively young guy. Uh, I just can't envision him moving on anytime soon. And uh, let's say just well, let's 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 throw out a number. If he stays three or four years, is Leonard going to bite his time waiting for Chris to step down? I doubt it, but uh, something something obviously went down late in the game. You know what I mean? Because if you get that close in negotiations, everybody on both sides knew what was going on, and all of a sudden, you know, it blows up. So, I'll be curious if uh, more of that comes out. Gary, I just looked it up there as you were talking. Paul Christ is fifty six. Yeah. Jim Leonard is thirty eight. Yeah. So. Let, let's let's put a four or five year window on that. I mean, I I don't have it in front of me, but I think Barry Alvarez stepped down around sixty, didn't he? Um, I'm just, maybe he was even late fifties because when they hired him in nineteen ninety from Notre Dame, I think he was forty one or forty two, and I think he went through the 06 season, which would put him at about fifty eight. I mean, let let's be honest, a, a, a year as a football coach is like two as an accountant, right? I mean, it's. <laughs> It ages the bleep out of you. Yeah, I mean, it really does. You you look at the toll this takes on some of these guys. I mean, Mike McCarthy showed up in Green Bay looking, you know, looking 29 years old, and he left looking 70. Mike Sherman did the ab absolute same thing. I mean, these uh, football years, I mean, that they're, they're borderline dog years, Gary. They, they take a lot off your life. And, you know, if, if you're a simple guy like Paul Christ who loves Madison and you know, probably could live with 20 bucks in his pocket. There's, there's not, you know, there's Paul Christ isn't, isn't one of these guys who needs every, every boat and yacht and toy and plane, like, like some of these guys do. 
then maybe he only works Gary until he's 60 or 61. Again, none of us know what's going on behind the scenes, but let's just say he's got a four or five year window there. And then they're going to turn it over to Leonard. Leonard's still a young guy. Then Gary, he's early forties at at that point in time. And he could easily have a 20 year coaching career, you know, from that point on, or, or even more than that. So um, I I do think it was a blow to the Packers. Um, I, I wholeheartedly believe they were, they were to the final stages on that. I think he was Matt LaFleur's guy. I think it's who LaFleur wanted. He kept a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of his closer confidants with the Rams uh, in his back pocket. Obviously, Joe Barry being being the main one in, in case things fell apart with Leonard. And at the end of the day, Leonard just wasn't ready to pull the trigger. And I'll be honest, as a Badger fan, Gary, I, I'm thrilled that it played out the way it did. I, I think that's great for Badger football. Um, but I also think it's probably a, a small blow right now to the Packers because I, I, I think he's, you know, uh, again, we, we, we saw the kind of career he had as, um, you know, as a player and not, and now as a coach, he's, he, he's a remarkably, um, you know, smart, young, gifted, innovative, talented kid um, who's, who's got so many ideas on the, on that side of the football I mean, Wisconsin should not have a top five defense in the nation every single year, which is where they are with Jim Leonard. When you look at some of the personnel on that side of the ball, but year in and year out, Gary, that's where they've been. And um, with what Leonard did in, in, in the NFL and now what he's done at the college level, it, 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 it seemed like a natural progression and a natural step, unless he's going to take over in Madison, which I still yeah. go back to what I say. Maybe that's where this is all headed a few years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was, talking to an NFL guy a couple days before it was announced that Leonard wasn't taking the job. And I, and I just threw it out there. We, we weren't really talking about the Packers, but I said, well, what do you, what do you, who do you think the Packers is going to hire uh, as their defense coordinator? He goes, Leonard. And he didn't even hesitate. And yeah. I go, Leonard? Really? And he goes, yeah, Leonard. And that, again, so something broke down at the last minute. I mean, you don't get that far along in the process and, and people around the league are convinced that he's going to get it. So again, it's, it's going to be a fun story to follow, you know, in the weeks and months ahead. So, Hey, uh, Rob, uh, let, let, let's move on to the NFC outlet outlook for next year. And uh, obviously the, the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be the, are the reigning champion and, uh, like you said earlier uh, in the podcast, they have a ton of money at their disposal. Uh, you, you, at least in my opinion, it's uh, Tampa Bay, the Rams, now that they got Stanford, uh, Stanford, Stafford and uh, the Saints throwing the Seahawks, although some crazy things have, have arisen with Russell Wilson. I mean, this guy is Mr. Positive and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And uh, he... It sounds like he's getting a little edgy out there that, that either he's going to move on or he wants more input in what's going on with that team. But uh, again, Bucks, Rams, Packers, Saints, anybody else? Gary, I keep looking for sleepers all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody saw Tampa coming a year ago. Nobody saw San Francisco coming two years ago, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, out of there. I, I, three years ago, it was Philly. Um, and, and that was certainly a surprise, especially after they lost Carson Wentz. I mean, you hit all the prohibitive favorites, I think, and, and that's certainly fair. 
Um, can a team like Arizona take a jump, right? They've, yeah. they, they've got it. They've got as dynamic and, and electrifying quarterback as anybody in football with Kyler Murray. Um, you know, if, if they can add two, three pieces on defense and, and take that next step, they went this year from what I think four and 12 to eight and eight, and they were in the playoff hunt right till the end. Uh, can they take that next step and, you know, I mean, Gary, we remember a year ago, Tampa Bay was seven and nine and missed the playoffs. And um, I mean, they, they hadn't been in the Super Bowl in 18 years. So um, I, I'm with you though, Gary, as, as you look at the NFC on a whole, it, it certainly starts with Tampa Bay. And I think there's actually a pretty big gap between them and everybody else right now, um, because I think they're going to, you're on the Bucks gonna, bandwagon, my man. <laughs> I am. I am. I, you know, I was after that 38, 10 game when they beat green Bay and I should have just stayed on it, Gary. Because yeah. I jumped off it at a couple points, like when they fell to seven and five, um, you know, late in the season and, and things like that. And I, I couldn't figure them out. But boy, they their roster top to bottom is just stacked. I think Green Bay and the Rams are probably in that next step or kind of next group, Gary. Uh, and we'll see how, you know, we've got to see how this offseason plays out, who yeah, signs who and all and all that kind of stuff. But but the Rams already made a, a significant dramatic move, I think, and got got incredibly better at quarterback than, than what they were. And, and they're going to be able to throw the ball downfield, which is what McVay wants to do. You know, green Bay is going to take some dings, Gary, that they're going to come back with five, six new starters. The key for them is their young players just have to keep taking that next step, right? Savage has to become a pro bowler. Rashawn Gary has to, you know, play near a pro bowl level. Jenkins needs to continue to, to play at that pro bowl level. AJ Dillon probably will need to be a 1200 yard back. Their young guys need to keep, keep stepping forward and good needs to have a really big draft again. Um, and like, like he did a couple seasons ago in, in the 19 draft. So um, Seattle's a mystery, Gary, you, you brought up Russell and, and he's got every right to be unhappy. He's, he's gotten the, the nonsense beat out of him in Seattle the last four or five years. And oh, he's and, taking you know, a beating. Yeah. He's just taking a beating. He doesn't want to go the Andrew Luck route, right? Where he, where he leaves the game early because he wants to walk still when he's 50. And um you know, so, but, but I think they're right in the mix too. I, I throw out the whole NFC East, Gary. I think it's absolute garbage. I think everybody else in the NFC North is <laughs> well behind, I, is well behind Green Bay. Um, no matter what Chicago winds up doing at quarterback, uh, no matter what Minnesota does um, and Detroit's in a rebuild, I think Green Bay is going to run away with that division again next year. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's Tampa, it, it's Green Bay, it's, it's the Rams, it's Seattle. The Saints are going to go backwards, I think, without Breeze a little bit. And as I look for a sleeper, Gary, you know, probably two teams, Arizona and San Francisco, maybe can get back to where they were if they can, if they can find a, a better answer, probably a quarterback than Jimmy G. I mean, Gary, just think, for example, because San Francisco is still loaded with young talents, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. What if they ponied up two firsts and, and gave away Boza and, and a linebacker or something like that for Deshaun Watson. Right. And now the 49ers come into next season with Watson as their quarterback, right? They're, they're right back in that Super Bowl hunt themselves where, where they were two years ago. So, well, Watson to me is the X factor in the NFL. hundred percent. You know, I mean, he's a guy that could be a trans transformational uh, player. I mean, whoever gets him, I think definitely takes a, a huge step up. And Gary, you would have to think, you know, at, at some point in time, if Watson is is hell bent on never playing again for Houston, 
Houston's going to throw up their arms and say, and it's going to be an NBA type of deal, right? They're going to say, we can't force this guy to play here. Let's get a King's ransom. Let's get whatever we can for the guy and start over. And they're going to send him out of the conference. Aren't they? He, he's not oh, going to stay. He's not going to stay in the AFC. So he could absolutely shift the power of, of a division of really the whole conference based on where, where he winds up. I mean, what again, if he I, went to the bears, Rob? Probably, well, again, it, it depends what you give up, but if it's future draft picks and it doesn't affect your current roster, Chicago's defense is already better than Green Bay's. Yeah. Um, and, not, and, and now you've got a quarterback pretty much at the same level as Rodgers, just a notch below. Uh, you just, you need, if you're the Bears, you got to make sure that you bring Allen Robinson back, who's, who's an unrestricted free agent, and, and give sure. Watson another weapon or two. But, but yeah, that, then to me, Gary, it's a coin flip in the division between Green Bay and Chicago. Um, otherwise, I think Green Bay is still three or four games better. Um, it, then if Chicago comes back with whatever Nick Foles or Trubisky or Carson Wentz or whoever that winds up being no 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 question about it Watson watch Watson changes the entire power of the conference he, he is far and away the most fascinating guy and storyline right now we have going in this offseason and again Gary I, I still think you know we've already seen some movement at the quarterback position and in, in some of these teams already you know finding their next guy for next season there's going to be a dozen teams in the league with new quarterbacks or different quarterbacks, yeah. maybe, maybe half the league, Gary, from what we saw finish in, in 2020, it's, it, it's going to be a fascinating next, you know, six to eight weeks leading into the draft. Um, and then you know, we're also talking about a draft Gary where the first four picks could be quarterbacks. So it's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a remarkably fascinating off season. You're going to see a ton of movement in the draft uh, for guys going up to try to get their quarterbacks. And um you know, where do the Packers fit in that whole thing, Gary? I, I still think they're the number one or two challenger to Tampa Bay. And um, they, they've just got to make sure they don't get absolutely obliterated coming up here in free agency. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you mentioned your two sleepers. Uh, my two sleepers in the NFC are Minnesota, without a doubt. Uh, they, they made massive changes on their defense last year, and it, it, it caught up with them. I mean – those guys went through growing pains, uh, particularly the DBs. And I think they are going to be a team to watch because I think offensively they, they got some players. And uh, the other team I, I thought could be another sleeper is Washington. I, I absolutely love their defense. I think in a year or two, they are going to be just crazy good at defense. Now they just got to figure out their offense. And, and you know, Rivera is a very good coach. So, those, those would be two teams I would definitely keep an eye on. Washington's a great one, Gary, and I'm sure they're going to be in the hunt too for, for a guy like Watson. They will be better at quarterback than they were at the end of the year with Alex Smith or, you know, Haskins or whoever it was they had, they had lining up that night in, in the playoff game against Tampa Bay. Um, you're, you're spot on with them. That, that's a top five defense right there too. If they can solve their quarterback – I was probably premature to throw out the whole NFC East. If they can fix their quarterback, not really. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're not that far away because yeah. they've no, got some no, players on offense. They, they really do. They just, they were probably playing with, you know, a bottom three quarterback almost the entire season and still found a way to get into the playoffs. So let's just say Gary, they give up three firsts and a couple of players for Watson. Are, are they all of a sudden in the hunt then for, for the NFC title? Absolutely. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, Watson is that good. He's 
He's a, he's a transformational player. He can change the entire power of a conference. And uh, what happens with him is going to be, you know, far and away the most interesting storyline we have this off season. Hey, uh, by the way, circling back, <laughs> did you get a chance to watch the uh, NFL awards show? I, I would never watch any of that stuff. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Uh, 99% <laughs> of the time I went, but I had some spare time. And I have to admit, Russell Wilson's acceptance speech for NFL Player Man of the Year, what was unbelievable. I mean, what a touching uh, speech he gave. Very eloquent. Uh, man, I, he's just an impressive man, isn't he? Unbelievable. Just, yes. I mean, kudos, obviously, to Rodgers for winning the MVP. But the Man of the Year is such a unique honor for, for anybody uh, in, inside that league to win. It, it's so much more than, than just football. Uh, what, what he does away from the field is remarkable. He's, I mean, he, he's everything you want, right? The face of a franchise to be not only is he sensational on the field, he's such a good human being off it. I mean, I'm, you know, as, as a state guy, Gary, I think everybody here should be proud of what he's done um, accomplished in, you know, from, from his one year in Madison, uh, really taking the Badgers just to a whole nother level offensively that that particular season, at least with, you know, at least with the passing game, he's, he, he was in Madison, Gary, you know, one season, he's, he's going to go down as the greatest Badger quarterback in you know, really in, in, in the history yeah. of the program. Think of that. Right. And, 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 and he's taken it up, up so many levels here in his time in Seattle. And then just what he does off the field is, is remarkable. So no, I didn't actually see that speech, Gary. I've heard him talk several times. He is very moving. He's motivating. Um, and, and, and he, he stands for, and he, I think he kind of represents everything you want to, you know, inside your league and uh, Seattle's darn lucky to have him and, and they would be absolutely nuts. Whatever it is he wants now from, from the Seahawks, they would be absolutely nuts not to give it to him. Yeah, oh, I, I totally concur. Uh, just a quick story on Russell Wilson. I, I, I never had a chance to talk to him when he was at Wisconsin. And uh, the first time I, I encountered him was at the NFL scouting combine uh, prior to the draft. And he met with the media. I don't know, God, there must've been like 30, 40 media people that he spoke to. And then afterwards uh, he was walking away and I said, Hey, you got a few minutes. And a lot of these guys, you know, they're, they're saying, ah, I got to get going, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, what do you need? And we spoke for about 20 minutes and he couldn't have been nicer, more gracious. And uh, the, the one thing that really made a distinct impression on me was how much belief he had in, in his own abilities. Uh, he's only about 5'10", 5'11", maybe. And up until then, I thought he had absolutely, I, I wouldn't say no chance of being a star in the NFL, but he was convinced that he was going to be great in the NFL. And uh, the confidence that he had in himself was, was so apparent and, uh, you know, just a great guy. You know, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, Gary. And, you know, I, I've gone to the combine the majority of the last 15 years and, and, and you're right. 95% of the guys don't have a minute, right. That they're, they're being shuttled to this radio interview or to, to that interview with the giants or, or the Falcons or the Rams or whatever comes next in their day. It's hard. I mean, it really is. It's hard for them to find 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. I remember I had a similar, I had a similar uh, deal with that one, one year with Joe Thomas, you know, the, the 
the great Brookfield Central University of Wisconsin tackle who went third that draft. You know, he was walking down a hallway. I said, Joe, you got two more minutes. And we talked for 20. You know, Joe Thomas is another all-time great Badger. Very similar story like that, like you just told with Russell. Mm -hmm. The the kind of quality people, Gary, and and, and obviously the quality level of football player you want inside your building day in and day out. I mean, the quality of the person is almost as important you know, is, is the quality of the player and uh, Russell and Joe Thomas, like I just mentioned, there are, are, are two of the all-time greats. Yeah. Two really class guys. No, no question about it. So uh, Rob, it comes to uh, that time of our podcast when we uh, offer up our parting shot and uh, should we have a coin flip? Who wants to go? <laughs> well, it's your show, buddy. You're the boss. You, you, you make the pick. All right, I'll defer so I get the ball in the second half, okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Gary, the overwhelming majority of my life, when I've thrown a few bucks on a football game, I have taken Tom Brady's side, and it's it's paid off for me handsomely, right? Tom Brady, Super Bowls in 2001, 2003, 2004, 2014, 16, 18 and now 20 as a Super Bowl champion. Three times in there, Gary, he's lost in a Super Bowl 07, 11, and 17, those particular seasons. But the overwhelming majority of times I've thrown five bucks on a Tom Brady football team, it's been pretty good to me. I sat here on this podcast last week and I picked who I thought was going to be the next Tom Brady, the next GOAT, Patrick Mahomes, to win the Super Bowl over Tom Brady. Gary, I will not make that mistake again, betting against Tom Brady. Um, as I look at the NFC odds right now, put out by VegasInsider.com, somehow, Gary, the Packers are the favorites next year to win the NFC at plus 450. That means if you put down 10 bucks, you'd get back $45 if the Packers do win the NFC. Tampa is second, Gary, at plus 500. The Rams are third, plus 600. San Francisco is fourth, plus 800. The Saints are fifth at plus 900. The Seahawks are sixth at plus 1,100. Gary, I'd like to call these guys at VegasInsider.com and tell them they're nuts to have <laughs> anybody other than Tampa Bay first right now to win the NFC and really to win the Super Bowl next year. As we've talked about through this podcast, I think Tampa Bay will only be stronger next year. I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they should be the consensus favorite inside the conference and maybe inside the league, Gary, because as we look at the Chiefs right now, Patrick Mahomes' contract tax on $20 million for next season compared. It was five this year. It goes to $25 million. So the Chiefs' window where Patrick Mahomes is a bargain is about to start running out, and it's going to be a lot harder for them to get back. Tampa, on the other hand, Gary, like we've talked about, has at least $30 million in cap room. They've got the greatest quarterback, the greatest player in the history, I think, of team sports. And they've got an entire league where the veterans are going to want to come to Florida, avoid the state income tax, and play with the GOAT. Gary Tom Brady has been in four of the last five Super Bowls, five of the last seven. My parting shot is Tom Brady will be in six of the last eight when we do this, if we're fortunate enough to do this a year from now. I am all in on Tom Brady. I am all in on Tampa Bay as a repeat champion in 2021. Very good. Very good. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's hard not to be on the uh, Buccaneers bandwagon now. And it's, it's funny, your parting shot 
was was on Tom Brady and mine is kind of on Tom Brady. So and we don't talk to each other, you know, before what we're going to talk about in our parting chat. So this this is kind of interesting. But um, if there was any doubt whatsoever that Tom Brady is goat, they were emphatically erased in the Super Bowl. Uh, Brady was simply brilliant in, in winning his unprecedented seventh Super Bowl. And uh, Rob, you brought up some good points. What what is it for the last five? Whatever. Yeah, he's been in four of the last five. He's won three of those, Gary. He lost the year to the Eagles. I mean, I mean that that's that again is mind boggling. But you know, um, Brady f- completed twenty one of twenty nine passes for two hundred one yards and three touchdowns, and his impact on the game w- was so obvious. But Brady made perhaps an even bigger impact on the Bucks long before that, even before the regular season. That's when he convinced uh, his good buddy Rob. Ronkowski to come out of retirement and uh, brought him to Tampa Bay. Then, of course, as you mentioned earlier in the show, he followed that up by persuading Leonard Fournette and uh, Antonio Brown to come to Tampa Bay. And, and both those players had offers to go to other teams. In fact, I was told that the Packers were very interested in Antonio Brown. And there were some people around the league that thought, Antonio Brown might end up in Green Bay instead uh, of Tampa Bay. And uh, it, it's all because of Brady. Um, you know, he goes out and gets those three players, and, and all three of them came up big uh, in the Super Bowl. What Brady has done for the Bucks, Aaron Rodgers has to do with the Packers. Rodgers has to use his clout, and he has to use his influence to recruit some big-time players to Green Bay. He has to convince them that even if they have to take less money, that playing for the Packers could pay off in the end with a Super Bowl ring. Rodgers has done a lot of great things for the Packers, but as his brilliant career winds down, he needs to do even more if he wants to secure that second Super Bowl ring. The Packers brass should encourage Rodgers to be their chief recruiter too. They can't take a stance that Rodgers should just stick to playing and not be involved in player personnel decisions, that Rodgers shouldn't step on anyone's toes. Brady conclusively proved he could get the Bucks over the hump by doing some serious recruiting. Now it's up to Rodgers to do the same thing for the Packers. I love it. Great one, Gary. So we'll see, uh, you know, what happens there. But, uh, you know, I think more and more players want to be involved in um, bringing players to their team. And if you remember, LeBron James wanted Anthony Davis. He recruited Anthony Davis and brought him there and, and got him over the hump. So maybe Aaron Rodgers, you know, can bring in a player too. And uh, that, that could uh, go a long ways towards Packers getting to the Super Bowl next year. Well, you, you remember back to 96 when, when the Packers won their only Super Bowl with Brett Favre, right? They had Desmond, Desmond Howard on the cheap. Yeah, they had, absolutely. Uh, they had Andre Risen midseason on the cheap. I remember, Gary, I was at the Reggie White press conference uh, when, when they signed him in, in 93. And one of the questions, you know, was along the lines of, why did you come here? And it's, you know, and you remember in 92, the Packers and the Eagles played a, a heck of a game and, and, and the Eagles were beating the nonsense out of Favre and Favre just kept getting up and getting up and getting up. And, you know, I, I think he rallied the Packers to a win that night. And, and Reggie said, you know, obviously the money was a huge part of it. And, and Reggie said, God spoke to him, but yeah. he also said, if you remember, he said, 
this team has a quarterback and the, you know, and, and I need to be with a quarterback and um, green Bay has a quarterback. I mean, they've had one the last 30 years and, and I'm with you, Gary, it, it's time. He becomes a little more vocal too, and, and finds a piece or two. These, these vet, there's going to be a lot of veterans, Gary, on the street on June one, this no is going to look like free agency potentially, you know, in the nineties when teams still didn't have an idea of quite how to work the cap because the cap's going to, you know, if, if the cap drops 10 or $20 million, Gary, there's going to be some really good football players sitting on the street on June one. And if Aaron Rodgers can help get a couple of those to come to, to come to green Bay, it's going to be their best chance to potentially catch teams like Tampa Bay and then stay ahead of the rest of the NFC. Well, you know, it's interesting too, with Brady, he went out and got three guys that could help him on offense, including two receivers. So, so if Rogers can go out and get a number two receiver to come to Green Bay, I mean, what, what a plus that would be. Well, Packer Nation's been screaming about that the last three or four years, right? They need one ever, ever since Jordy left and Jordy was, you know, Jordy was cut that one, that one off season. They, they really haven't had it, Gary. Um, it takes us back to earlier in the podcast among their top two or three needs are clearly another wide receiver. So, yep, it's, it's uh, a lot of this. This is on Aaron Rodgers now to get green Bay over the hump. He, he's one in four in conference championship games, Gary. He's been the one constant in, in all these games. Yeah. Um, for the yep. most part, he, he has not played all that well or, or very good in, in, in a few of them. He, had, he he's been, He's been mediocre to poor the overwhelming majority of these conference title games and, and finding himself a couple more weapons is certainly a way to get over the hump. Rob, I think we went into uh, triple overtime today. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably talk for another hour and uh, not even labor with it, but uh, I, I just... wait till the draft gets here and we start breaking down prospects. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't believe how fast this podcast flew by and, we started this what back in September and I think we've had like 20 some podcasts since then. And everyone has been an absolute delight. I want to thank you for your incredible insight. Yeah. Every week uh, you, you drop some uh, acumen on me that uh, just shocks me and amazes me. And I'm sure the listeners, uh, you know, feel the same way. So thank you very much for uh, being a part of this. And the, the, the good news is that, we are going to have a few more episodes, actually several of them, hopefully uh, during the summer, you know, prior to the draft, after the draft, prior to free agency, after free agency. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll have as much fun as uh, we have for uh, the, the past season. So, Rob, thanks again. And uh, I want to thank all listeners as well. Uh, we got some great feedback uh, over the course of the season. Rob and I want to wish you the best. And until the next time, take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wolfel and WuffelsPressBox.com.